This episode of The Know with Nikki Spo is brought to you by Way. Way creates beautiful therapeutic audio tracks in your own voice, customized to your needs and goals, like reducing anxiety or increasing confidence. You can listen to your self-guided Way tracks whenever you need support. I loved the powerful effect of hearing my own voice, and I can't wait for you to enjoy the healing benefits of Way. Use my code Nikki Spo. That's N I K K I S P O, in all caps, for ten percent off any track or pack at experienceway.com. And stay tuned to learn more. Pillow Cube is the best pillow for side sleepers and has become a necessity for me in achieving my most comfortable, restful sleep. Sleep is super important in my home, and I'm grateful to have a product like Pillow Cube to keep my head and neck in alignment all night long. Stay tuned for more info on Pillow Cube and check out why you should use my code NikkiSpo10 to purchase yours today. Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Hey everyone, you are listening to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Thanks for tuning in to what is about to be a really vulnerable episode for me. I'm really grateful to have this platform where I can hold space for other people to share their experiences, triumphs, expertise, and wisdom. And I'm especially thankful when my listeners hold space for me to share my own. Aries season has become an overall big, big time for me. So I celebrate my birthday on March 22nd, and then I celebrate my first son's birthday and therefore becoming a mother on March 25th. And then in April, I celebrate my sobriety on the 18th, and I close out by transitioning into Taurus with my podcast's birthday on April 20th. So it's become a major time for reflection in my life, a time to reflect on my life, on my journey into motherhood, and on my business journey. And really, probably the most profound topic for reflection for me is around my life as a sober person. So yesterday, April 18th, I celebrated two years of continuous sobriety. Yay! Sometimes I think to myself, on what planet did this actually happen? It's a lot for me to process sometimes. Um, in my new-ish like network of sober people, I can tend to feel like two years is not a lot of time uh, because I have friends with like 5, 10, 15 years of continuous sobriety. But I know that these two years really make up 730 days of making a conscious and constant choice not to drink. I know that it has not been easy. Those 730 days have not always been easier. I will say that it has gotten easier over time, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but the choice to drink is an everyday choice. I don't think it ever really fully goes away for me anyway. So I had spent years of coping through my pain, anger, and resentments with alcohol. And it has been, especially in the very early days, really difficult to end my relationship with a substance that had truly become like my best friend. And it's really sick how that happens. I remember begging my mom to stop drinking. Like when I was younger, I would beg her, beg her, please stop drinking, stop drinking. And I remember her saying, but I can't live without it. And I've met so many people struggling with addiction who have felt the same exact way. I didn't really understand it at the time, but 
in my own sickness and in my own process, that became my reality too. I guess the thing was for me is that I hated myself so much that it kind of became the only thing that could keep me afloat until it stopped working for me and I couldn't hide from myself anymore, which brought me to seek help. But at any rate, I don't want to tell you about how perfect my life is now that I'm sober because honestly, it isn't. It, it, like My life is not perfect. Trauma happens in phases and so does healing. I'm still learning how to handle hardship and unpleasantries with grace. And I am not yet... <laughs> I laugh about this. I'm like, I am not yet fully graceful. I try to be more graceful, but I'm not there yet. And I don't know that I'll ever be fully graceful. Like it's a process and I'm on, like I say it all the time, I'm on a continuous up and up of learning. So I, I will say that I think I'm more conscious and aware. Sure. And I try to think of others more and I'm less reactive. Sure. All these things, but my life definitely isn't perfect. I struggle with resentments every day. Okay. I still let people get under my skin and I, I can still be like reactive from time to time. These are things that I work on, but the beauty of it is that I actually like see them now. I'm like clear headed enough that I'm like, Oh, you're doing that thing again. Like back it up, sister. <laughs> Let's take it down a notch, you know, and then I can really assess. But what I really want to chat about today is that in hindsight, all of the red flags were there. You know those like Twitter comments and the IG posts with all those like little red flags, right? And like the little red flag emojis. I feel like I was a walking red flag. Like put a label on my forehead that reads, I'm an alcoholic and I don't know it yet with red flags trailing behind. For starters, I drank to get drunk from the first time I had alcohol. I remember being at a party at my friend's house whose parents weren't home. I guess I was about like 14 or 15. I had so much anxiety and I was so nervous to be around all the quote cool kids who were drinking and smoking pot. And I was like, yeah, I drink all the time trying to fit in. Okay. I had not ever drank before that, you know, like more than whatever, like a sip of my parents' beer or whatever. But that night I was off to the races. I drank so much vodka and orange juice that by the end of the night, or by the end of my night anyway, maybe everybody else kept going, but it was the end of my night most certainly, I found myself racing to the bathroom and missing the toilet. I projectiled all over the floor and who came to my rescue? My, my friend's gorgeous older brother. And I remember being like completely mortified at 14, 15 years old. The next morning, my girlfriend and I were set to go on the boat with my parents who promptly knew that I was hungover and confronted me about it. Um, and I denied it. And I don't recall talking about it very much after that. But that was just the beginning. Like my, I didn't really learn from that experience. My embarrassment from that experience didn't tell me to look at why that had happened. It actually, what I got from it was that it taught me to figure out how to do it better next time. So throughout high school, I found that I could manage my intake and get to a point where I was free and fun and the life of the party. I could flip cup and keg stand with the best of them. And I didn't care if it didn't look classy because I was way too concerned with hating myself on the inside, even at that time, that any kind of attention felt better than what I thought about myself. My friends and I found the places that would sell to minors, which like I now think about it. And I'm just like, this is horrifying. And we would get really excited about doing something daring and against the rules. And just like, you know, we would get excited about being bad. You know, my friends regularly presented me at home, like halfway holding me up, telling my dad, well, we brought her home. Okay, red fucking flag, red flag. All the while, mind you, I hated my mom for her drinking. 
And I resented her for having to clean up her messes behind closed doors and accepting her from her friends who had brought her home. There was like a double universe, parallel universe happening for her and for me at the same time. And sometimes, till this day, I still wonder if my alcoholism was a learned behavior behavior, or if it was an actual disease. I think for me, it's a little bit of both, but I also think it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I don't think it matters why I turned out this way, just that I am owning up to it and I'm treating it now to the best of my ability. So the party continued throughout my professional dance life and my time in college. I've mentioned that I worked three jobs to support myself, and my idea was that if I worked hard, I could play hard. And I certainly worked hard, so I definitely played hard. But that was a cover-up for a lot of the inside bullshit that would then take me years to come face-to-face with. You guys, I am loving this convo, but before we move on, I want to catch you up on all the buzz surrounding today's show sponsor, Way. If you listen to episode 41, then you already know that I've been using my new customized therapeutic audio tracks from Way. Way creates therapeutic audio tracks in your own voice, customized to your needs and goals, like reducing anxiety or increasing confidence. Then Way creates one-of-a-kind scripts customized to you. After you record your script, Way produces your recording with deep, moving music for a therapeutic audio experience that is unique to you. Way tracks give you access to highly effective, personalized tools exactly when you need support. Listen to your Way tracks whenever you need support, like before a date or a big presentation to process challenging emotions, to interrupt binge eating or unhealthy habits, or during your workday. I listen to my weight tracks when I'm experiencing anxiety and frustration to help me calm my body and mind so I can make more thoughtful decisions. I've also really enjoyed listening to my weight tracks after a long day with my kiddos when I'm trying to wind down. My daily wind down is an important part of my nighttime routine, and I have to say that it has looked a lot different in recent years. I'm grateful to have Way be a part of this daily practice for me. I especially love the comprehensive pack because it has four tracks to cover everything I need to feel balanced and supported every day. Use discount code NikkiSpo, that's N-I-K-K-I-S-P-O in all capital letters for 10% off of any track or pack at experienceway.com. I want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Pillow Cube. I have slept on my side for as long as I can remember, and I've never really done so comfortably. I usually find myself smashing my pillows, folding them, adding one on top of the other to find a seemingly mythical, quote, perfect formula for comfort, but I have yet to find it. That is why I am so freaking grateful to have found Pillow Cube. I haven't always been into the specifics of why I needed the perfect pillow, but now that I have a pillow cube, I realize how important it is for me to have my head and neck in alignment. It has been so helpful to the point that I have fewer headaches and I don't even think I realized I was having headaches. So pillow cube is the best pillow for side sleepers. Pillow cube reduces headaches and neck pain by aligning the head, neck, and spine while you sleep. I came to learn that regular pillows don't actually fill the gap between your head and shoulders. So people like me fold their pillows in half and fluff them. And then within like 10 minutes, they flatten out causing the neck to kink. 
Pillow Cube is supportive enough to hold your head up and soft enough to be comfortable. I have stopped constantly tossing and turning and can literally stay in the same position all night long. This has been unheard of for me. And the more people I talk to who are using Pillow Cube say the same thing. So this is not a mistake. This pillow is the best investment for your sleep if you are a side sleeper. And the cooling pillow is especially great for those people who sleep hot. I am excited to share my code with you. You can get 10% off of your Pillow Cube order by using my code NikkiSpo10. Head on over to PillowCube.com to get yours today. Then in my senior year of college, about 13 years ago, I was arrested for DUI. I had never been more ashamed in my entire life. I legitimately... I remember that night and I legitimately wanted to die. I remember thinking that I did not deserve a place on this earth. And at the time, I know my parents were a couple years into having been divorced and my relationship with each of them was rocky. And Eric and I had been on and off dating at that time. And I remember calling my dad to tell him what had happened. And I called Eric to tell him also. And I remember feeling very scared very sorry for myself and alone. And not because of anyone else, but really because I had done this to myself and that I had put other people in danger. And even still at that point in my mind, it was somehow everyone else's fault. It like wasn't my fault. Like that is another red flag for me that like I could not even find at that point in time, the responsibility for myself. I don't, I didn't, at the time, I didn't discuss this with many people. It was a shameful secret that I did not want to talk about under any circumstances. I did what was required in terms of like therapy and classes and the service and all that, you know, to make sure I did everything by the book. And then I sort of went back to my life. And in order to excuse myself, I told myself lies like, quote, everyone drinks and drives. They just don't get caught. Another red flag. Many of my relationships suffered because of my drinking. I could manage it well for the most part. I think I was very high functioning in a lot of ways, but because I had so much anger pent up inside that I bottled in so tightly, if I started to drink too much, all of that anger and resentment would just come flying out. Whether that was in the form of words or actions, it didn't really matter because I just let it all go. I just let it all out. And I'm not here to like Listen, I'm not going to go through every single horrific or embarrassing event that I've experienced as a result of my drinking because some of those things are private and they're my own to process, but I will say that my drinking became a public issue. In my episode with Jamie Ruiz, I briefly talked about how like the local media ran articles about my DUI with a blown up picture of my mugshot. It's a great picture. It's horrible. It's so bad. In in response to my husband and I coming out as a couple in 2012. I chuckle, not because it's funny. I chuckle because I'm so fucking uncomfortable, by the way. Okay. Like to this day, it makes my skin crawl. And at the time I remember feeling so much residual shame. It was legitimately something that I was ashamed about. And still to this day, like I regret deeply. I've talked about like regrets. I think I talked about regrets with, um, Case Kenny on the last episode, but like, I'm not of the school of people that are like, no regrets. You learn from everything. Yes, you you do. You learn from everything. Hopefully you learn from everything. But like, I am allowed to have regrets in my life. And this 
is at the top of my list of regrets of choices that I've made. And thank God, you know, I've done the work and I have been able to learn from it. I've been able with a lot of grace, right? I'm not perfect in the grace department, but with a lot of grace, I've been able to like release the shame surrounded with that event. But I definitely still regret it. And I think that's a much healthier place for me to live in. So I also like let it define me for many, many years, almost to the point that I succumbed to being that person, the person who would just never get better. Like I identified so strongly with this mess of a person that I, I was, and I had a lot of, I had a lot together considering like I was working and doing all these things, but like my insides were a mess, right? On the outside, I had everything together or you might think so, but on the inside I was a mess. And so like having that kind of like put up for everybody to see, like really in this way, like affirmed that I was that mess. Like I was that girl. And I let that define me for a long, long time. And going into my mid and late 20s and then my early 30s, there was always a reason that I deserved to drink. Like, I will say that, like, I'm not a normal drinker, right? Like, I identify personally as an alcoholic. I am not a, what we call, call a, quote, normal drinker. But I get the inkling that people who don't struggle with alcohol addiction don't have to validate why they should be allowed to have a drink. And also they don't have an issue with not having a drink. I always found a validation for my drinking. I had a long day at work, a tough day at work. I heard a horrible, heartbreaking story from one of my students. I was angry at one of my parents or friends or my partner. I was a mom and needed a break, whatever, like the sky was the limit. And it always wasn't like negative things, right? Like, oh, we're celebrating something. We're going to drink a lot. Oh, we're going to a party. We're going to drink. There were like, there was always a reason. There was always a reason. And I found myself because I was drinking, I found myself trying to limit my drinking. Like, okay, Nikki, you're just going to have one drink. No, two drinks max tonight, two drinks max. And that felt torturous. That feeling of torture, like that I'm being tortured by not being quote allowed, whatever to like have a drink that my friends, that's a red flag. People often ask me, well, Nikki, you were pregnant twice and you didn't drink then, right? So you have the willpower. You can do it. That was different. That's called like being dry, right? There's a difference between being dry, going through a period of like abstaining from alcohol and being sober. I didn't drink while I was pregnant. No, but I thought about drinking all the time. I missed it. I remember thinking, man, I can't wait to have this baby. I can't wait to be done breastfeeding so that I can have a damn glass of wine. And that was like torture. Just like trying to restrict my drinking was torture. These to me in hindsight were red flags. Also a note on willpower. Like for me, it's not about willpower. I, for, for me personally, I knew that if I had one drink, like that was the torturous, like we started the torture process is the having of the one drink. I think if you have any type of familiarity with um, alcoholism at all, like one drink is too many and it's also never enough, right? Because that's when like, like a trigger starts for me anyway. And so it became for me, it was like not at all about willpower because there was no willpower in the world that could bring me to, to stop, you know? And in hindsight, man, there were just so many red flags for me. I surely haven't shared all of them because it would take, literally it would take days and days and days to tell all of the stories. And like I mentioned, like this, these stories are not for everyone to hear, but the feelings, the feelings I think are what's relatable in the whole 
big picture and why I think it's so important to share. And I remember mentioning it to my friends here and there. I think I have a drinking problem. Only to be met with like, no way, you're in control. You got this. You deserve a break. No, 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 no. I think the thesis of this whole solo chat about drinking to cope, about my DUI and all kinds of red flags is that alcoholism is a self-diagnosed disease. I think I knew deep down in my soul that I had a God-sized hole that I was trying to fill. The need for love, affection, acceptance, praise, excitement, drama, peace, intensity, whatever I needed at the time. It didn't matter who or what gave me those things because the God-sized hole was never, ever filled. But I tried my damnedest to fill it with alcohol until even that started to break me down. I've come to learn that nothing, that, man, that actually nothing can fill the God-sized hole except for God. My need to be loved unconditionally, accepted, cared for, all of it. Today, I know that it doesn't come in the form of physical people or things. It can, right? Like life is beautiful in that way. We have, we can have deep and meaningful connections with people. I can experience love and joy from so many people and things in my life, but those outward things cannot be my source, right? Only source can be the source. So to wrap up this chat, I want to be crystal clear about my message today. If you are seeing the red flags in your life surrounding your relationship to alcohol or other substances, you have the power of free will to continue using or to really look at your red flags. If you feel in your heart that you have a toxic or complicated relationship with alcohol, you do not need anybody else's opinion or permission to get support. And let me tell you, the silver lining here is that there is plenty of support out there. I will say that in the sober community, there is a tremendous amount of importance around anonymity. Anonymity is hugely important for so many people who struggle with addiction. And early on in my sobriety, it was very important to me as well. And my sobriety was compromised. It was hard for me to cope with that because outside of my sober community, I didn't want to identify publicly as an alcoholic. Anonymity should be protected and respected at all costs. If you know an alcoholic personally, please understand that it is never your place to tell their story for them. I have chosen to come forward about my addiction because I know for a fact that if I had not seen another woman who was, quote, like me, come forward about hers, I would not have gotten the help that I needed. I thank the universe every day that she was placed in my life because she gave me the hope that I needed to get help. So if you're struggling with alcohol or other substances, please, please, please know that you are not alone and that you can live a life that is happy, joyous, and free. My life is not perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better today, two years into my sobriety journey than it ever, ever was when I was drinking. Thank you, God, for that miracle in my life. Thank you all so much for being a part of my journey by listening to my show. I appreciate you all more than you can ever know. And if you know, you know. Special thanks to our incredible sponsor for today's show, Way. You all know that I'm on a lifelong journey of self-healing and I couldn't be more proud to partner with Way. 
Waze Therapeutic Audio Tracks are fully customizable to your needs and highly produced. It is a beautiful and effective way to experience self-guidance when you're in need of support. Whether that's help with soothing anxiety or needing a confidence boost before an exciting event. Use my code NikkiSpo, that's N-I-K-K-I-S-P-O in all caps, to get 10% off of any track or pack at experienceway.com. I can't wait for you to find your way with Way. Big thank you to our sponsor, PillowCube, for presenting today's episode of The Know with Nikki Spo. Head on over to PillowCube.com and use my code NikkiSpo10 for 10% off of your next PillowCube purchase. If you are a side sleeper, this is the pillow for you. I can't wait for you to try it. Don't forget to use my code NikkiSpo10 for your 10% discount. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Mm-hmm.